Hey everyone, my name is Kyla. Welcome to my channel where we talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. Happy Fed Day. It's such a big day. It's such an exciting day. And this is everything that you notice series. I'm going to be talking about why the Fed does what it does, the decision that they made today, and a look forward into the future. And all the different variables that have led us to this moment right now, here together. Why not keep it real spicy? Getting right into this PowerPoint. Why the Fed does what it does. What's up? It's Kyla. All right, so as we all know, pandemic happened March of 2020. It was terrible. Stock market went down, bond market went down, oil market was in the tanker. Looked like things were just going to absolutely implode. That led to lockdowns because, of course, it's a highly transmissible virus and you don't transmit as if you stay in your home for weeks on end. Lockdowns, of course, lead to less consumer demand, but the big problem there is that consumer demand, consumer spending is 70% of GDP. If all of a sudden you don't have people spending money, if you have businesses that are closed, what the heck is GDP gonna do? <laughs> the whole economy was on fire. Things were an absolute mess. And when things are a mess, you gotta call a superhero. You need him and his name is Jerome Powell. Jerome Powell is part of the Federal Reserve who has a dual mandate of price stability and maximum employment. They see this economy that's on fire, consumer spending, 70% of GDP, everything else just falling apart, and they say, all right, we'll step in, we'll figure this out with our monetary policy toolkit, near zero rates, smooth market functioning, bank lending, support for corporations and governments. So they did this by buying up assets, they did lending, backstopping, overnight liquidity, they kept rates near zero, they linked to banks, because hey, you gotta keep those money houses liquid. Then they supported corporations because you gotta keep those businesses up and running, of course. And so the Fed steps in, price stability, maximum employment, are there two dual mandates? But this time around, they were like, no, our mandate is to keep the economy from not going through the floor, like oil markets had. Oil markets went negative, so it was kind of like anything is possible in this new world. They said to the banks, hey, banks, we're gonna give you a lot of money. You go lend that money to consumers, consumers, Main Street, but you also got the stock market, which is Wall Street. And then Wall Street is incredibly important here in the United States. Um, there, they provided all these tools to Wall Street, the primary market corporate credit facility, and the second market corporate credit facility basically they were buying up corporate bonds the fed was in the market the fed was in the economy there was a lot of intervention going on the fed was there it was a superhero we said yay fed thank you for preventing the economy from going to the floor but the problem is that the fed is still keeping the economy from going through the floor even though the economy is like on the 20th level of the building at this point things are hot global pandemic happens and then it kind of unhappens but it's still sort of happening but everyone is kind of like going for it anyway Consumers are feeling extra spendy, even though retail sales numbers for this month were not quite that impressive. But people are still out there. They're still doing the thing. But the Fed is treating it kind of like it's still pandemic time. Deep, deep pandemic time. Like when we were all on Zoom birthday parties and stuff. The Fed has this dual mandate, right? Of price stability and maximum employment. That's what they're going to look at when they make these monetary policy decisions. They have the CPI and the PCE. The Fed primarily looks at the PCE, but both of these metrics encompass food, energy, shelter, etc. All of those are very important. And so you might say, well, where's the inflation coming from? So we have these inflationary metrics like CPI, which was up 6.8% year over year. PCE was up 5%, pretty, pretty steamy, pretty spicy food, right? Where's food inflation coming from? Primarily the supply chains. If you think about how we make food here in the United States, we either grind it in a meat facility or we pick it up from the ground. If 
you have a raw material shortage, you're gonna not have food coming out of the factories. There's all these little things that go into the food supply chain that have sort of fallen apart over the past few months, which is why food prices have gone up. Why have energy prices gone up? Because of the pandemic. There's a couple of things that are going to help abate energy prices. The Biden Strategic Petroleum Reserve release will potentially help, but a lot of people aren't super interested in those. OPEC Plus says that they're going to expand production, but we'll see if that actually happens considering their spare capacity is so low. But basically, people are trying. They're like, we'll figure this out. And gasoline prices have fallen 25% over the past few weeks. So we are seeing a little bit of an abatement in the price of energy. Then there's shelter inflation. There's really no end in sight for this. Home prices are not included in the CPI or the PCE because homes are a capital appreciation tool. Rent is just something that you spend money on, but homes, they're a capital appreciation tool, of course, which is super fun. Home prices have gone up a lot. The theory is that rent prices will soon follow the movement of home prices. This makes sense because if people aren't able to get a home, they're going to go back to renting an apartment probably. That's going to bid prices up across the board because you have more people bidding for the same amount of apartment buildings. That creates an inflationary environment. Everything that is inflationary also relies on the labor market. So then you got to ask, what about wages? What about the labor market? Like what's going on there? The labor market is part of this maximum employment part of their mandate. They look at numbers like unemployment, job openings, etc. The labor force participation rate has dropped to about 60%. It's recovered, sort of, but not nearly how it used to be at 67% even pre-2008 great financial crisis. So things are a little bit wacky in terms of how many people are working versus not working. It seems like not a lot of people are going back to work. Then you also have real disposable personal income versus disposable personal income. In order to get people to work, you kind of have to pay them most of the time. You should be paying people. But there's an increasing gap because of inflation between real disposable personal income and disposable personal income. Disposable personal income is going to be real plus inflation. But that real number is what you're actually getting paid and TBH, it hasn't been moving that much. If you have inflation 6.8% year over year, you're going to be wanting to get paid a little bit more and that's just not happening in this sort of market environment. But now, the big question is how can we raise rates? How can we return to a normal economy? And so that gets into sort of what is inflation? Inflation is a function of supply chains, labor wage problems, and consumer demand. So supply chains being out of whack, that's going to make prices go higher. If there isn't enough people working, if people aren't getting paid enough to work, that's going to make prices go higher. And also if the consumers are demanding a lot of goods, that's going to make prices go higher. A lot of people are like, but what about the money supply? The money supply has expanded 40% over the past several months. Okay, sure, whatever. This is an awful graph. It's really bad and it's probably illegal, but you can see the expansion in the money supply, right? So it really took a turn during the beginning of 2020 into 2021. But the problem with the money supply is that the velocity of money has not moved at the same rate. If you look at this green line, the velocity of money is negative. It's just not moving. Like people are not transacting at the same rate that they used to. The expansion in M2 is not the same impact that we would think it is. Velocity of money is really low. That's not a direct injection into the economy. We do need some aspect of help for policy intervention, especially during a global pandemic. So I'm not like saying, yeah, M2 should expand indefinitely, but just saying it's not expanding in the same way that a lot of people might think it'd be. There's velocity. Okay, a quick recap. So the Fed is in charge of price stability and maximum employment. They have a monetary policy toolkit that went into full effect during March of 2020 because the market was about to fall to the floor. They now have become a key man for the market, but the economy is getting a little spicy. Hot inflation and a supposedly tight labor market, which means that the Fed has to step in and use their tightening monetary policy toolkit so they can increase their taper pace or they can raise rates. But there are other things to worry about, such as U.S. debt, corporate debt, recovery in the jobs market, the Bank of Japan, the European Central Bank, and the Bank of England. U.S. debt has exploded. <laughs> the U.S. government has been borrowing out the wazoo. 
zoo and the fed has really stepped up and bought a lot of these treasury bonds that the u.s government issues so it can kind of function but governments are going to issue bonds and bills and etc in order to function as a government while they pay for their existence the fed has really bought most of those things because um you know it, it's kind of like push push shove shove with the fed and the u.s government the fed is a, a pseudo political entity they're not really involved with the u.s government but they basically are so it's kind of like a you know paper thing but the fed has bought up a lot of the treasury bonds of the u.s government and so if the fed all of a sudden pulls out of the market they say hey we're tapering no thanks no more no more treasuries for us who's gonna buy these who are going to buy these real rate negative yielding bonds that the u.s government issues nobody knows of course corporations and countries will still buy them because it is u.s government but it's not gonna have the same appetite which could be interesting and then corporate debt so corporate debt has also exploded through the roof because of fed intervention and ultra low rates that has pushed investment grade bond duration which is the sensitivity to interest rates to near records and boosted five-year refinancing requirements to all-time highs of around two and a half trillion dollars so you can see that both investment grade companies high yield companies emerging market companies everybody's been hitting the debt markets because rates are so low and it's so appetizing to really get some debt on your plate in a low rate environment of course of course and then of course the bank of england the bank of japan the european central bank so they all have their decisions this week too the u.s is today inflation here in the united states has been really high the dollar is the reserve currency so everybody's like okay we really care what happens over here united states you know they're going the tightening path but europe and japan for sure they're kind of like whoa we're gonna keep it easy because of omicron and because it's hard to raise rates right like the environment gets a little bit tough yikes so that divergence could be bad and then also capital flows what does it mean if other countries have easy monetary policy and the United States doesn't? How does that spell it in terms of how people think about investing? What does that look like from this global macro stage? The Federal Reserve is kind of this like one little thing propping up the rest of the stock market and the economy because of what happened during March of 2020 and this is kind of the way that it's always been. This is pre-FOMC Kyla and I'm gonna pass the mic off to post-FOMC Kyla to get a take from her on what we heard today. Bye. Hello, one FOMC meeting later and I am back. I am back. I'm here. You're here. We're all here. And I'm just going to talk. <laughs> I'm just going to talk about what happened. Editing just might be a little light. Editing just might be a little light on this section because there's a lot of just saying stuff. What's going on? So the FOMC, they came out and they released the summary of economic projections, which is basically how the Fed sees the economy moving forward over the next few months and years. And they spoke about their taper timeline. And and their tightening timeline. We're phasing out of our purchases more rapidly because with elevated inflation pressures and a rapidly strengthening labor market, the economy no longer needs increasing amounts of policy support. Essentially what they're saying is like, hey, <laughs> we're gonna peace out of here. Uh, you can take it from here, economy and stock market. The way that they're gonna peace out is by increasing their tapering. So they doubled their taper rates. They were pulling back on that by 15 billion a month, but now they're pulling back by 30 billion a month. So still buying stuff, but at a reduced rate. They're gonna roll that off by March of next year. So they're gonna stop buying stuff <laughs> in March of next year. Then they released their dot plot. So the dot plot is a little bit funky because Jerome Powell is like, it's not real, but everyone else is like, it matters. So they have three hikes in 2022. Two, it's a very strong consensus around these three hikes, which means that this could start early next year. What these hikes mean is that they see the economy growing pretty fast. And so everybody was projecting to, not everybody, but quite a few people were saying it's going to be two hikes in 2022. 
the Fed would raise rates by 25 basis points two times throughout 2022, but because it's three times, they're seeing things a little bit hotter than other people thought they might have been seeing it. Then they have three hikes in 2023 and then two hikes in 2024, so it's pretty dovish into 2023 and 2024, meaning that they're kind of chilling out those next two years. It really seems like they're going hard on 2022 to get inflation down. They don't see inflation being that impactful, falling from 5% this year to 2.6% next year. So they do see inflation getting closer to their inflation target. Their average inflation target is around 2%. They do see inflation dropping by 2.5% into next year, which is pretty intense. <laughs> if you have to like kind of reflect on what that would mean, like that would mean that supply chains would have to get figured out, the labor wage problem would have to get figured out, that probably the stock market would have to go down a little bit. Like all these things would have to have the air let out of the bubble a little bit. Normally the stock market would respond and be like, whoa, this isn't cool, but we saw that not happen. So we saw oil go up, we saw tech go up, we saw the entire stock market go up. In fact, it almost hit all-time highs. So something that you really even expect to see on a pretty hawkish Fed, so a Fed who's like, whoa, we see things being super crazy and we're going to respond in a way that's intense. We didn't see the stock market respond in the way that it would have if they thought the Fed was being like straight up um, going to wreck them, right? Because normally what happens with tighter monetary policy is stocks get hurt hurt because it really creates a more contractionary environment. So stock valuations are compressed. Here, you know, stocks were just like, all right, this sounds cool to me. <laughs> That's fine. But the Fed, the Fed is on paper quite hawkish this time around. Jerome Powell was kind of funny in the press conference. So here, they moved the taper forward because of inflation worries. And so when reporters were asking him about those questions, he was like, yeah, I saw inflation when I saw inflation. He was like, yeah, those numbers were just absolutely wacky. And I said, let's get this show on the road. They're going to increase tapering, double it by $30 billion a month. That's going to be broken down in $20 billion in treasuries and $10 billion in mortgage-backed securities. This is pretty aggressive, a pretty, like doubling the taper was a little bit like, whoa, okay, <laughs> all right, we, we see you. Like it wasn't a huge surprise, but everybody was like, all right, so so they mean business. And he did say that they're two meetings away from lifting the taper, so it will be done by March meeting. They're not going to raise rates while they're still purchasing assets. They won't raise rates until March for sure, because that's when they're going to be done with tapering. He didn't give like a ton of guidance on it, but we know that it won't be until March. <laughs> that's one thing we're certain about. Then inflation. So he downplayed the dot plot, you know, which had these, these three rate hikes displayed. He said these projections do not represent a committee decision or plan, and no one knows with any certainty where the economy will be a year or more from now, which is um, intense. <laughs> the big question is, will the Fed be able to keep a cap on inflation at that 3% number, or is it going to go up even higher? If they are able to get it down to 2.6%, which they're planning to do by raising rates, that'd be good. But if inflation remains elevated, despite them raising rates, that would be bad. <laughs> then we get into a really weird situation. They asked Jerome Paul, is the Fed behind the curve on inflation? And he said, no, I think we're well positioned to deal with what's coming. I do. He took us such a long time to answer that. With the CPI near 7% in the PPI, so producer price index, these two inflation metrics, with both of those being just super freaking high, the Fed has to do something or else they lose any credibility that they have. Powell really changed his mind. So this is from Lisa from Bloomberg. The anatomy 
of the Powell pivot as per Powell. He points to a sequence of data from the employment cost index to ongoing sluggishness in the job market participation rate and the latest spike in consumer prices. Basically, he would just lose all credibility if he was like, oh yeah, inflation, that's that's not a problem. But you do see the Fed beginning to treat inflation as a tool of equity. Lower income people do get hit harder by inflation. They have that dual mandate of price stability, maximum employment. He has made it really clear that he does see high inflation, but he doesn't see a total recovery in the labor market, which is why we're not seeing rates move right away. He said the inflation has nothing to do with tightness in the labor market, but he did point to a strong ECI reading for a reason for the hawkish tilt. The labor market is definitely top of mind for them. They have noted that it's not near maximum employment. They see year-end jobless rate at 3.5% in 2022, 3.5% in 2023, 3.5% in 2024. Right now, it's at 4.5%. They did note that the unemployment rate declined substantially, that maximum employment is getting close. They did make that pretty clear that they're getting very close, but they did also note that that is a judgment call. However, they think it'll reach us next year. So <laughs> as you can see, it's a lot of we think, but maybe it might could be this way too. And that's sort of what the Fed did. <laughs> he literally said the words, no one knows with any certainty where the economy will be a year or more from now. They basically think inflation will just naturally fall. He noticed the labor market. He was like, yeah, it was low-key worrying, but I'm not super freaked out. He also said that the inflation that we're looking for talking about, it wasn't in their framework. He did note that he thinks crypto is risky uh, and that the stock market is overvalued. So of course, but the stock market loves Jerome Powell. So some questions left, of course, when will they shrink the actual balance sheet as they taper that means that they're going to stop buying stuff but when do they actually sell the stuff that they've already bought when will we see quantitative tightening what's going to happen to that balance sheet and when are they going to roll off those assets that will be kind of when things are getting weird that's that's when things will get intense and i, I don't know if that'll ever happen for now we do see three hikes in 2022 based on the dot plot. The Fed came out pretty hawkish, but with a dovish tilt based on the response of the stock market. It's going to be a little interesting to see how this narrative plays out. They do see the labor market recovering. Is it actually recovered? They see prices abating. Will they actually abate? Will they solve from the supply chain, labor wage shortage perspective? All this stuff is interconnected. That's what the Fed did. I'm going to pass it off to another part of the video. You, but hopefully that was helpful. <laughs> Hey everybody, so it's post post FOMC Kyla. I wanted to pop right back in to talk about what the market saw today. So the market did go down today after going up yesterday. We saw quite a bit of sell-off in tech stocks, including Apple, which is like the entire pillar that's keeping up the stock market. Saw quite a bit of weakness there. But the interesting thing about today that even though there was a sell-off after the FOMC meeting, eight out of the 11 sectors were green and three were red. So you can just see that tech really does have quite a big impact on the stock market. We did see treasury yields begin to move around, showing that they weren't super stoked about what the Fed did. Also, the Bank of England did a surprise rate hike, so nobody was really expecting the BOV to come in, swing in with some contractionary monetary policy like that. It was just a little bit surprising today in terms of what happened. Stocks are still trying to evaluate this relatively hawkish tone from the Fed and figuring out, you know, what it means and if that's going to impact them moving forward. Three rate hikes in 2022 is no joke. And like I talked about, higher rates are going to hurt stocks with high valuations because it's just going to bite right into them. We did see stronger economic metrics today. So yes, home construction starts were strong. Everything's like fine, 
but it was just interesting that some of these tech stocks did see quite a bit of a sell-off. Apple ended the day down almost 4%, so we did see a, a little bit of a sell-off after, after this relatively hawkish FOMC meeting, this relatively hawkish tone from the Fed. Just to recap, <laughs> again, we are going to see the Fed begin to taper, so they are going to stop buying up treasuries, buying up mortgage-backed securities. They're planning to stop buying completely by March of 2020. They plan to raise rates around that same time. They have three rate hikes in their dot plot forecast for next year. We will see a tightening monetary policy environment, contractionary monetary policy environment. We're going to see how things roll out. Last time that they tried to do this, it was really bad. We'll see. Basically, how you can think about it is, you know, tech had a little bit of sell-off, but you do see strength in materials and utilities and some of these stickier stocks. Crypto held up okay. There is safe havens from, you know, a higher rate environment. It could be an interesting few months for tech stocks, so just be careful <laughs> if you're investing in that space. Potentially check out some more rate positive stocks like banks and utilities. <laughs> Stay tuned and thanks so much. <laughs> Yeah, so hopefully this was helpful. Obviously, uh, a little bit of a chaotic video, but hey, it's a chaotic time. But if you want to go ahead and hit subscribe, that would be three hikes on the Kyla channel dot plot. <laughs> um, yep. So thanks so much for hanging out with me. Thanks so much for spending time with me, and I will talk to you soon.